Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Bull, Director of Public Affairs here at Missouri Farm Bureau, and this week we are going to talk about our legislative day that we just wrapped up here in Jeff City and some of the other things going on in the Capitol and with Governor Greitens. We'll also get into what's going on at USDA with the appointment and confirmation of Bill Northey to an undersecretary post there after several months of waiting. So listen up, we have a lot to talk about. B.J. Tanksley is our Director of State Legislative Affairs, and B.J., we've had a busy week with the uh, Legislative Day that just happened on Tuesday this week, uh, and a lot of stuff going on over in the Capitol this week. How did the Legislative Day turn out? I would say Legislative Day was a was a great success. Um, really want to start by just saying thank you to our members, if any are listening, that came up. It, I have to say it was a, you never know when you try something new, um, mm-hmm. but I was really um, impressed with our members. They came out, they showed their spirit, and uh, I think it was a great day. You know, we started here and we're able to hear from Brian Klippenstein from USDA, um, as well as Scott Fawn and, and Joe Manny's um, talking about the the political climate in Missouri. I think our members really enjoyed the conversation. You know, they 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 mixed it up a little bit. They mm-hmm. threw some things out there that maybe were were new for our members to hear. And it's always great to hear from new voices. Obviously, Brian having a leadership role at USDA, he's a um, an authority on those issues. But then to hear from the political panel of of how an outsider who follows politics as closely as anybody, um, I think that was a really fun conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we. Uh, we loaded up on the buses and headed over to the Capitol, uh, where we heard from legislative leaders, and we had a pretty impressive panel. You know, you had the House um, House Speaker, um, Senate President Pro Tem, um, Floor Leader Mike Kehoe, um, as well as uh, House and Senate Agriculture Com- Committee leaders. Um, and so it was just a great time where we heard from those folks of some of the things that they were talking about. You know, we talked about the issues that we care about. We talked about ru- uh, rural broadband. We talked about transportation. We talked about private property rights. Um, um, and so really a great time, you know, um, even our leaders, I think, spent a lot of time talking about broadband, transportation and why those things are important. I thought it was interesting um, that even Joe Manny's and Scott Fawn in their port were talking about the need for transportation funding in the state and the fact that it was going to take um, it was going to take some of the adults in the room, I think, is the line that Scott said. Mm-hmm. It was going to take the adults in the room in the legislature to uh, to address those issues. Um, Joe spent quite a bit of time talking about rural broadband and why that's important. She knew that it was important to our members, but talked about the idea that, you know, to her living in St. Louis and in those areas, it may not even seem like an issue, Mm -hmm. um, but that it it has created quite a divide between the haves and have nots in certain areas of the state. So I thought it was neat to hear some of those same things that we've been talking about uh, coming from other voices. Um, Then we hit the capitals. We hit the we hit the halls. and our members went out and talked to their legislators about the things they care about and why it's important. Um, I know that following these days, I always have different conversation with legislators than I do prior to these days. Yeah. And so I can't thank our members enough for those that come up and have those impressions, because although they probably hear it from me, legislators do, they hear me talking about why we care about these things. To hear it from a member then makes it, or hear it from a local uh, to their area, then makes it hit home. Yeah. And then it really furthers the agenda. It really does do a great thing. Uh, we'll continue on this momentum as we go into our next Capital Connection visits. We'll get started right back with those next week. Um, so we'll just keep rolling with that. But I do think um, it was a, it was a great day to really be advocating for that. Obviously, then we wrapped up the day with our, uh, our annual legislative banquet back here at home office where we had a lot of statewide leaders. We had department heads. We had uh, the head of the University of Missouri. 
Perry and several others here. Um, it was great to see Lieutenant Governor Parson, Eric Schmidt, uh, Jay Ashcroft, and other state leaders here, um, as well as a bunch of legislators that came and joined our members for dinner. Uh, we were able to uh, share a meal um, and, and actually just spend a lot of time fellowshipping, talking about some things. Where we may have been having more serious conversations over in the Capitol, there was probably a lot more light conversations that evening, uh, but I think it's great for our members to get to spend that time and build those relationships as well. So, yeah. And, and we had a really nice turnout as well. What well, did we have around 200 members or so that I think were able to, to make it? We did. We had close to 200 members that were here uh, and took all of those over to the Capitol. So we had a great impact over there. And then that night, as always, you know, you're seeing upwards of 350, something like that, when mm-hmm. you put everybody together in one room. Uh, it's a pretty impressive evening and a lot of fun. I hope those that came enjoyed it. And like I said, I just want to make sure we say thank you to those that were. And if you weren't, um, please try to make it next time because I think everybody, we were able to I spent a lot of time with our state or with our leaders that did come just asking them what you think because it was a new new deal and I think for the most part it was a pretty successful sure well the way that this worked out we were trying it out for the first year splitting out the commodity conference from the legislative day uh, there were a few times there in the planning process that we were worried are we going to have enough people show up and by the end of it we were worried that we weren't going to have enough seats and that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> a good direction to, to end up in so i think that y'all did a really nice job putting yeah. it together so For look sure. forward to doing it again next year uh one other issue that is uh, just hot off the presses uh, is the governor has made an announcement about um a uh, rural growth initiative uh, that he is planning on um uh, on rolling out what have you been able to learn about that so far yeah, so what we're seeing is um, Governor Greitens announcing a rural growth p- proposal. So it seems like there's been some uh, new funds made available, um, and Governor Greitens is going to focus those on issues that could help our rural parts of Missouri. Um, so obviously Farm Bureau is very interested in that and, um, and excited to see where some of these steps could take us. Uh, we do see the focus of the proposal being a rural broadband um, as well as some water initiatives, um, our ports, and then spending some of that money to address an issue that Farm Bureau's been talking about for a while, which is addressing the uh, the promise of paying back those biodiesel uh, biodiesel incentive funds. So mm-hmm. excited to see that. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunities. Obviously, Farm Bureau's been talking about broadband for a, a, a good time. Um, Governor Greitens' office and his administration has been paying attention to that. Um, it'd be It's going to be interesting to see how we can facilitate some of this new growth. Um, the proposal says it could it could encourage a, a great amount of investment in the rural areas of the state. And so I'm excited to see that. Another one of the very specific things that we've seen is talking about mapping. It's talking about allocating a, a million dollars to go towards mapping of the state. And this isn't just a Missouri thing. It's actually it's nationwide. When we talk about broadband access or connectivity or what is available out there, because of the reporting requirements that come from FCC and other issues, I don't want to get too far in the weeds. But it's hard for even the best experts to say who has good access and who doesn't. Mm -hmm. The maps are very unclear. Um, The measurements are bigger than most people would would want them to be. Therefore, uh, it paints a pretty broad brush Mm -hmm. or paints with a pretty broad brush when you're out there. Um, So some some sophisticated mapping of the state of Missouri will would allow the state to move forward in a much more surgical manner, Mm -hmm. reaching those who are unserved and underserved first 
And, and I think that's I think it's a great step. Um, Missouri Farm Bureau would go lockstep with that. That hey, let's map out what's out there first. Let's not be incentivizing competition. Mm-hmm. Let's get to those unserved and underserved areas first, um, and, and bring one of those major issues that can can bring competition, can bring or can bring economic development, um, can bring the best healthcare and education to these rural areas, um, and pre- and really allow us to bring our own our our families back home to the farm if they choose to, or bring their business back to rural America, um, and and have us all on the same on the same footing. Yeah. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good idea. And the the mapping is a big major issue because until you know what you've got, it's hard to know where you need to go. That's exactly right. And we, exactly we've right. we've we've heard a lot of people complain about uh, the maps being similar to those. Actually, in some ways, they are the same as those maps that you see on your when you're trying to sign up for a new cell phone. Um, it's here's where you can get service in Missouri. And those, we all know those maps are not exactly uh, real precise. So. Yeah, they don't, they don't typically show the weak spots as much yeah. as they do the strong spots. Yeah, sure. definitely. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely be looking for the, the details on that proposal. It just was announced, but uh, it has some real promise. So Yeah, a lot of opportunities in rural Missouri, and it's great to see the administration paying attention to them, looking to bring some money back to the rural areas to uh, facilitate growth in areas. You know, Missouri has a lot of rural areas, and the, mm-hmm. the most... The, be- the best that we can do in our rural areas only lifts the rest of the state as well. Yeah. You know, uh, more more money in more people's pockets is always good for everybody. So That's right. Great Absolutely. opportunity. Good deal. Well, thank you again. Appreciate it, BJ. Yeah, thanks a lot. Spencer Tuma is our director of National Legislative Programs. And Spencer, we got a little bit of movement on some things in the past week. Uh, we had, well, first of all, we had uh, a big development in Washington, D.C. with um, the uh, the appointment, actually the confirmation, I should say, of Bill Northey uh, in Washington for the USDA post, uh, one of the undersecretaries there. What uh, what was the holdup there and what did we end up getting done this week? Absolutely. Well, this has just been a big development over the past 24 hours, really. It came kind of as a surprise to everyone. Um, so Bill Northey, who's the former director of agriculture or secretary of agriculture, I guess is what they call it, uh, up in Iowa, he was appointed by President Trump uh, to serve under Secretary Purdue in the USDA. Uh, unfortunately, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas put a hold on uh, Director or Undersecretary Northey's nomination uh, because of Cruz's concerns with the renewable fuel standards. Of course, uh, Northey is from Iowa, which is a big player in the renewable fuel standard because they have a lot of corn in Iowa. Um, We were very happy to see that yesterday uh, Senator Cruz actually lifted his hold on Undersecretary Northey's nomination and he was confirmed by the U.S. Senate. Mm -hmm. There's still some questions, you know, one of Senator Cruz's demands was that he have a meeting with the administration to discuss the RFS. There was a meeting that took place, however, we're not sure of any details that have come out of that meeting. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've had a lot of questions about what this means for uh, the renewable fuel standard and at this point we're still gathering information about, about what happened there. Yeah, it sounds like there are a lot of rumors coming flying around on a lot of different sides of it. But so far, no, um, a lot of people are just saying that, no, he got a meeting and that's what he got. And he was um, that was sufficient for him to lift his hold. So we'll just kind of uh, keep an eye on developments as as they come out of D.C. as to whether or not anything else transpired in those meetings. Yeah, absolutely. I think you just kind of wait and see and wait for the facts. Yeah. Well, and also Congress is back in D.C. this Mm -hmm. week. Um, but last week we had a, a recess week in D.C., so we ended up having our 
uh, Coffee with Congress, the first two mm-hmm. of those events that you've been setting up. How did those go? It was absolutely a wonderful week uh, for a congressional recess and a great opportunity for us to visit with two of our members of Congress while they were back in their home districts. So uh, we met with Congressman Blaine Lutkemeyer near Fulton, uh, and he was able to visit with Farm Bureau leaders from Callaway County and from Cole County about issues that were really, really important to them. Uh, we discussed issues across the board. We talked about the farm bill. We talked about infrastructure. Uh, we talked about things that are on the regulatory side, such as the electronic logging mandate and the mm-hmm. hours of service as it relates to transporting um farm ag commodities. Um, So it was a really good discussion. We were able to visit with him for about an hour. And then the next day, uh, we went down to Nevada and talked to Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler about some of those same issues. You know, it's always interesting to hear uh, different concerns from different parts of the state. So the issues facing mid-Missouri are not necessarily the issues that are prominent down in southwest Missouri, where we met with Congresswoman Hartzler. But a lot of the same themes turned up in that meeting as well, as far as farm bill. A lot of issues brought up with ag credit and ag lending for Mm -hmm. beginning farmers and ranchers. So I think it was a really good opportunity for our members to share their personal stories with the congresswoman and the congressman. Uh, But I think they had a really good time learning what our members are really concerned about and and gave them some fuel to go back to Washington, D.C. with. Yeah, and and I was able to attend both of them as well with you. And I was really struck by how um, how open and and uh, broad ranging the discussion was. It was really anything that people wanted to bring up and talk about. and, And they had long, thorough, thoughtful answers to the questions that were raised. It wasn't just a political stump speech and, you know, uh, trying to dodge questions like you see at, you know, the White House press conference or something like that. Sure. And that's kind of listened. That's kind of the whole premise behind this initiative is, you know, we've talked about this before. When you get to Washington and you have those meetings, you only really have about 15 minutes. So you're trying to say everything Mm -hmm. that you possibly want to cover. And there's really not a a lot of time for dialogue. And so they're distracted and other things going on, too. And it's hard to really dig down into anything. So having about an hour to talk to each other really allowed our members to ask questions, get an answer, and then follow up. And in some cases, the members of Congress even brought their own questions. You know, I've had this idea. What do you think about this? Do you Mm -hmm. think this would be helpful? So I think it was a really great opportunity, and we're looking forward to scheduling more around the state. Sure. And on that note, do we have any others um, that are set on dates yet so far? Uh, We are working, actually, with Congressman Cleaver's office on a date in late March, but I'm still confirming all of those details Mm -hmm. with his staff, so I'll be sure to share that uh, with folks from that region here hopefully very soon. Um, And I've also reached out to all the other congressional offices. So hopefully uh, we'll have an event coming to venue, excuse me, near you later this (laughs) spring. Well, good. uh, We're looking forward to those. I think that that was a real success. So I look forward to continuing that. Um, On the the policy side of things, I Mm -hmm. was excited to see yesterday. Yesterday afternoon, we had our shipment come in of the new policy books. Yes. Which I know you've been anxiously anticipating. So yes. uh, How do people get one of those if they're interested in seeing what the new policies are? So you're right. I was very anxiously anticipating them. And if you're into policy like I am, getting the policy books kind of feels like Christmas all over again. (laughs) Um, So I'm very, very happy that they're here. If people are interested in learning more about Missouri Farm Bureau policy, um, you know, the easiest way to do that is you can actually go online to our website, which is www.mofb.org. And you can click on the issues and policies tab and then click on MFB policy. And there's a full electronic version of the policy book right there on your computer. It's really handy, especially if you're on the go. I know I have a copy downloaded onto my phone that I can just pull up and search uh, if I'm ever in a situation where someone has a 
question and Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer to it. Uh, But we also have hard copies here at the home office. So if you want to give us a call, please don't hesitate to contact me or contact Jill Fansler um, and we'd be happy to get you a copy. Your regional coordinator should also have multiple copies uh, traveling around with them as well. So Mm -hmm. uh, get in touch with one of us and we're happy to get you a hard copy. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for joining us. Look forward to talking to you again next week. Okay, we'll see you then. Leslie Holloway is our Director of Regulatory Affairs, and Leslie, we had a decision come down this week that has changed um, changed things a little bit with the uh, Grain Belt Express, the issue that we've been working on for quite some time. What's the latest news on that? Well, the court ruling was uh, disappointing coming out of the Eastern District Court of Appeals, and it was a, a challenge by Grain Belt uh, based on a ruling that had come out of the Western District Court of Appeals that was used by the Public Service Commission as the basis for denying their previous, or I should say their most recent um, application for uh, approval to proceed with the project. And, and just to clarify that, so the Western District had, had uh, denied the Grain Belt Express um, application uh, to, to have their line go through. And they went to the West, or, I'm sorry, the Western District had, had denied that application. Then the Eastern District has now reversed that? Actually, the decision out of the Western District was not specific to Grain Belt. It was a related case pertaining to another transmission line in mm-hmm. Missouri, mm-hmm. but it was used as a basis for the Public Service Commission's okay. decision to deny um, Grain Belt Express's. Uh, approval. Okay, great. And so Grain Belt decided to go to the Eastern District Court of Appeals and try to get a different ruling on the particular issue mm-hmm. that caused the commission to deny their um, application. And they were successful in getting a ruling out of the Eastern District Appellate Court that was essentially at odds with the Western District. Mm-hmm. And so the Eastern District um, issued their ruling. Uh, at the same time transferring the case to the Missouri Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. So there will be another um, court case. So we're not done yet. Not done yet. This Eastern District decision that just came out um, a couple days ago is uh, in favor of Grain Belt uh, moving forward with their line across northern Missouri, delivering wind energy from the the Plains states from Kansas, I I think it is, to eastern um, uh, Illinois and and Indiana, Indiana. I believe. Mm -hmm. So that's still held up in the Supreme Court, but uh, didn't go the way that we had hoped it would. So. Right. And um, it should also be noted that there is litigation um, going on in the Illinois Supreme Court currently involving the Grain Belt Project. So um, Grain Belt still has a ways to go before, you know, they were, would be able to begin uh, on this uh, tr- particular transmission line. But um, we will have to uh, make uh, an effort to, again, present the case at, at mm-hmm. the Missouri Supreme Court level. And the decision, I, you sent me the, the opinion earlier today, and I took a look at it. It looks like the Eastern District really looked at the statute that the, that the PSC had relied on and um, and that the Western District had relied on and said that there are really two different types of permits that, are, um, that that statute allows for, one being for a power line and one being for like a uh, trying to get into a new service area, basically, if you want to exactly. provide power to a new area. And that they feel like um, the law should be read as having a lower standard for just putting a line through 
than the standard for allowing service into a whole area. Exactly right. And when you consider that granting this approval involves the use of uh, authorizing the use of eminent domain Mm -hmm. where the company can then come in and condemn property in order to place its uh, transmission structures, that's what makes it so critical from landowner standpoint. If uh, they were just a private company coming in and wanting to negotiate individual agreements with landowners, that would be a, a different story. Sure. But to go to the Public Service Commission as an out-of-state private entity that is not providing uh, power to an area in Missouri where you have Missouri customers being served. Now, what they were able to do is to enter into a, an agreement with an association that represents a number of municipal mm-hmm. um, power companies to provide power to them at a uh, lower, at a discounted mm-hmm. rate. And so they are saying that because of this agreement, which they did not have in hand when they initially applied to the Public Service Commission and were denied the first time, coming back the second time, they said, okay, we've got this agreement with some Missouri communities, and so this gives us standing mm-hmm. as we would be then as serving a power provider. as a power uh-huh. provider. But what happens with the power network uh, currently is that it's a, it's a national grid. Mm-hmm. You have power coming from all kinds of sources throughout the country, going to different places, wherever the demand is, wherever it's being generated, where the supply is, uh, providing, you know, to meet the demand as, as it, as it changes it's very Mm -hmm. dynamic Mm -hmm. Um, and so all of the power companies are uh, connected communicating with each other but there is uh, it's it's not like a typical utility company that would be based in Missouri that's actually billing individual customers with Mm -hmm. um, infrastructure going directly into homes where there is a regulated entity Mm -hmm. that they have to report to the Public Service Commission get approval for rates um, Grain Belt would not have any of that. Mm-hmm. They would not be providing uh, service directly to any customers other than a power company within Missouri. They'd just be a commodity they, supplier. Exactly. You know, wholesale type supplier. And not mm-hmm. regulated by the Public Service Commission. Sure. So giving them that power to get rock bottom prices on uh, the transmission line land and easements um, really does, isn't justified uh, as a private company yes. because of all that. Yes, and you know, eminent domain law was a big issue after the U.S. Supreme Court made a ruling in 2005 um, saying that a private entity could, in fact, be granted uh, eminent domain power, which resulted in many states, including Missouri, um, immediately strengthening their state laws to protect private property rights. Right in the face of that challenge. And so this, we think, uh, is, again, a challenge to private property rights. Right. Well, it's definitely um, an issue that is of a lot of importance for not just this specific line, but future uh, efforts that are probably, this isn't going to be the first time someone tries, or the last time someone tries to do this. No. Um, So it really matters what precedent we set with this. Exactly. Appreciate you keeping an eye on this one and look forward to seeing what happens at the Supreme Court. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Leslie. You're welcome. Thanks for listening again this week. We appreciate any reviews you leave for us on iTunes or SoundCloud. Also, we really love it when you leave us comments on Facebook or Twitter. We also now have an Instagram page, so check us out there. We love to get your feedback and hear what you'd like to know uh, to know more about and to hear more of on our podcast. So please check us out on those platforms and leave us messages. Till next week, we are signing off.